0: Serving collectors since 1945.
1: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret
2: Welcome back to the call up, your go to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Arm Leighton. He's Jack McMullen. And we have been talking about the like spring training overreactions on the Just Baseball show. Like, what are things that we can just get really excited about because we've been so desperate for baseball? Um, and, and I feel like we can do this on the prospect side, too, because when you're watching, uh, I think if you just look at your feed every single day when there's spring training games going on, Um, You're seeing people just super pumped about prospects, which is great because a lot of prospects are getting a lot of run right now in these spring training games. But Jack, we kind of want to use that as as like a little bit of a nudge into a larger conversation. And there are some things that you can take away here. But at the end of the day, it's all going to still kind of be a little bit of an overreaction
3: it's also great because it's universal. If you are a World Series contender like the Rangers who are coming off of a World Series title. Oh, man, we got better because Wyatt Lankford could be in our lineup. Or if you are the doom and gloom like Chicago White Sox, you're getting a look at Edgar Caro who had a walk off single. And you're getting a look at Joe Boyle in an Oakland A's uniform. Every single fan base has someone that they can point to that hasn't disappointed them yet. And they're just like, they're the savior. And they're the is- one.
2: Confirmation bias, confirmation bias, confirmation bias, yes. and uh, look, I think there's a lot of fun things to follow. Of course, on the stat cast side, if a guy posts a new a new max yeah. exit velocity, you know, and he's 20 years old now, like okay, that's worth watching. Like Colt Emerson, apparently, you know, the Mariners prospect put on like 20 pounds of like good weight. If he's did you on- see a photo of him? Yeah, it's real. Like yeah. that, those legs are crazy. Yeah, so like that's like that's something where you see 20 pounds of good weight, quads are massive and then he posts a new max. Okay. You can look at that and say, all right, there's something here. Or I think even something as simple with James Wood, which we're going to talk about, like, yeah, it's, it's just a couple games and we know that Wood can take anyone deep, you know, if he times things up well, but watching every at bat. And first of all, like I think he's a hit in every single spring training game. He hasn't been whiffing at all. Um, and if you look at him set up and everything he's loading a lot earlier And I think he's giving himself a lot more time. And sometimes it's just something as simple as that. But you can see a tangible change. And then there's performance there. So, like, I think that's a little bit different than, like, Chase DeLotter. Damn, look at that one swing. That's a bomb. I mean, that was a taste of what can be. Yeah. But, like, that was a fastball down the middle. And and a lot of guys are going to hit those out. So, um, yeah, it's fun to, like, get the real and then, like, overreaction takeaways. And um, I think that's what makes spring training exciting, though.
3: A hundred percent. Before we get into these storylines, I am six hours ahead of you right now. So I had time to concoct like a, a trivia question. I was writing something else and I I found something fascinating and I just want to test you. And I know it's early just see if you can bang this out. I was reading an article on FanGraphs, Really well done. There were six or nine guys, pardon, last year, nine position players that accumulated six war or more. That's the lowest number since 1958. In a full season, right? Like, I think it was 22 or something, 21 or 22 in 2022 had a six war or better, just nine guys in 2023. There are three non Otanis that have accumulated six war or more in both 2022 and 2023. Who are they? Three play along in the car. 3 non-otanis full-time position players that have accumulated 6 war in each of the last 2 seasons. Mookie bats, Mookie, Freddie Freeman, Freeman.
2: I need one more. The most underrated player in baseball. <laughs> the most underrated player in baseball. Uh 3030. Oh and then Francisco Lindor, Lindor.
3: Yeah. yeah. Lindor's the one that I feel like was going to stump a lot of people yeah. might have stumped you but damn man I just I found that really interesting so we can get back to
2: the prospects that time. was great trivia I, that, I, that was something so I went on walked on Rays to talk about the Rays top prospects and every time I go on that show they they give me some baseball trivia uh they'll do like a name that war so I'll just give you uh the war and then think t- or sorry they'll give you the player and like of course, you try to remember who it is, but it's a guy that you could barely remember and say, guess what his career war was? Like you Uniesky Bentoncourt, I think, was who it was. Oh and he's like had to be like seventeen. War. I think I said like ten and it was negative two or something. It was something ridiculous. So like players no where you get totally stumped on like what their war could be. So um I, I think stuff like that's really fun. I, I might have it mixed up. I don't remember what the exact number was, but I was way off. Um, but back Damn. to the just the the topics that we had it in <laughs> Um, where do you want to start? Because we have a lot of hitters. We kind of already got into it, I guess with, with James Wood. So should we just kind of get right into the hitters and, and go, go through that and then we'll go.
3: Yeah, let's, Let's do it. First guy that I have on my list for us to talk about is Tamar Johnson of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you put out an awesome tweet that that caught the pirate circle, caught the prospect circle. And uh, I've been been telling everybody I possibly can that that first move in his swing is like Poppy-esque. And then Lance Bresdowski said, I get Mo Vaughn vibes, not the weight. The fact that we're throwing around guys that were dominant for years on end is crazy for a 19-year-old. But like, Am I crazy or no for that? You haven't debunked that it's Poppy-esque. Like, it's a fascinating first move. And he he demolished two baseballs. He took Jimmy Garcia deep on a high fastball and then Genesis Cabrera left on left slider yeah. low and away that he poked out.
2: Yeah, I mean, so that here's an instance of like... Does your prospect evaluation change on Tamar Johnson? Uh, probably not, but this is a reminder. It's it's a, a validation of what can be. You know, when you are looking at a Tamar Johnson, when you're projecting, you know, and you want to say, hey, yes, this is an undersized second baseman. How confident am I in the fact that he can hit 30 home runs? Then he does something like that. Oh, yeah. OK, that that was the right takeaway. I, I am confident in that. So, like, even little things like that, because when you see a guy that's able to get to the top of the zone on 96. I think it was 96.4 miles per hour. And then you mentioned left on left. I think it was like a slider at 80 at the bottom of the zone. Um, And they were two totally separate situations too. You had 0 O2 count to Garcia or from Garcia to uh, Tamar. And then I think it was a first pitch left on left slider from Cabrera. So when you have it in that type of setting where you're able to get to the top of, you know, 96 and in, in a two strike count and then also you know, you're probably sitting fastball in the beginning of the count, still are able to stay back enough to crush a slider that hung up there a little bit. And you see he's he's a little on his front foot, but he's just so powerful that he launches it out of the yard. So it's a reminder that, yeah, this undersized guy produces just some of the more ridiculous bat speed you're going to see. And at a really optimal angle, I think this guy is going to be an absolute monster if he can hit enough. And I think this was an example of, hey, he does have that plate coverage. There's going to be whiff with a swing of that much movement. And that big of a hitch and go. But also, he's kind of smoothed it out a little bit if you look at it. And with two strikes, his setup's a little bit different, too. I think he's trying to hedge the whiff a little bit. The approach is great. Like, this is exactly what, you know, we've learned the new Tamar is. And we're hoping can, you know, be the, the ceiling.
3: So is it a hitch or is it like a Super Mario baseball power up where he brings the hands down and then they go back up like he's charging up for a power swing? What's going it, on there?
2: It really looks like the latter. I mean, it's just, it's not like an extreme barrel tip where he, like, you feel like you can really throw him off because I think he's just such a freak with the, with his whip. It's almost like Sheffield ask, right? Where like, yeah, you're not going to teach that move. But if he gets from there to, you know, if he gets from the tipped barrel to the point of contact as quick as he does, which is quicker than everybody else. Are you going to tell him to stop doing that? Like he might not have as much whip if he doesn't do that. So like until it's a problem, you're not really going to change that. And I think he did some subtle setup adjustments to minimize it with two strikes, which I think is interesting.
3: Okay, so before we move on, like just say yes or shut up, Jack, you don't know ball. Be brutally honest. Like
2: did didn't Poppy do that? Yes, like, but good, but he's a big dude. So it's like, and his is more like bring the hands down. I think it's a little bit more of a dramatic barrel tip from Tamar, but you think so? I think it's a little whippier, but I mean, at the same time, there is that similar like back posture, like bringing the hands down in tandem with the leg kick. Like, yeah, there's some similarities there. How, so I saw a lot of the immediate
3: overreaction from the pirates crowd saying this guy screams quick riser. That's not what a two Homer spring training game means. No, it shouldn't no, no. do that. But like the one thing I think fans can get really excited for is the loud hit in spring training. If it's four for four with four singles, it feels fluky. But if you see a guy unload on two baseballs in three innings, it's like, Oh wow, this guy's real. And, that's the clip that goes crazy. I mean, we we talk about it, right? Like highlights are everything. And, and baseball, whether we like it or not, is kind of becoming a social media sport because everybody loves home runs. Everybody loves pitching ninja, you know, crazy slider and, and wild fastball. Um, is this something that could alter Ben Sherrington's? Perspective on Tamar because it looks like he's the kind of guy that will spend the majority of the year in high A this year and then get a taste of double. Or is it like, hey, if he looks good over two months in Greensboro, maybe we just bump him to Altoona?
2: Yeah, I, I think I think the the bigger part of it would probably be not as much about the performance on the field and just kind of how he's going about his business in camp. Like I honestly think when it comes right. to how quick they promote guys, I think that's going to be a big part of it because the double to triple. Like, you don't want to send a younger guy to triple too quick. Like, if he's not ready, no. that's the big thing for me. Like, everybody in AAA has a wife and two kids. They don't need a third kid
3: to take care of. In yeah. A, everybody's still trying to figure out who they are as a dude. And it's like, hey, am I going to propose to my girlfriend this offseason or next yeah. offseason? Am I going to get a big league check for two weeks and like that can pay for the ring versus. You're in AAA, you got guys that have what, eight years of service, 10 years of service. There, there's a chance that Tamar could be sharing in infield with Jake Lamb if he got to AAA this year. Yeah. And yeah. based on the accounts, the makeup seems ready for that. But there yeah. are a lot of 19, 20 year olds that are not ready for that.
2: And I think that's when the, the the camp performance, you know, I think those are the things you're looking at more than, you know, oh, he, you know, hit this amount of pitches in this sample. Like, yeah. um, although you still can get flashes of, of what can be yeah spencer jones uh four hundred and seventy foot homer,
3: I want to say, and mm-hmm. he's got a couple homers in spring training. <clears throat> so is soto mincemeat after this year? because Jones is the guy in right field in twenty twenty five
2: right? I mean, he could be he could be <laughs> um it's it's funny because this is a tough one where I think people. I mean, we, we know that he can do this, right? Like this is not something new to us. This is not anything you know surprising. Like we know Spencer Jones when it's timed up and he's, you know, and he gets to one, like it's, it's going to go a mile. The problem was that he did not do that very consistently. He was not elevating enough. Um, he makes like average contact rates. Like it, it, I think that's something that you know, people say, Oh, there's going to be a lot of whiff there. Like there's a fair amount of whiff, but I don't think it's as much as you'd expect. So I think what stood out to me the most so far is that he's doing that damage, but he's also looking like he's more comfortable bat to ball wise. At least in this stint, like it's not one of those things where, you know, if if he ran into a couple home runs and then it's just whiffed every other time, I'd say, okay, well, yeah, we know that he can run into balls. But what's interesting to me is he's making more contact. He is seems consistently on time, and it hasn't compromised the power at all. We saw him hit one four seventy. So that's what's interesting about Jones in this small sample.
3: Yeah, he's as of right now, he's in 714. He's he's five for seven uh, with a homer, four driven in, four runs scored, a walk and a punch out. Um, You know, like you compare it to a 12 AB sample last year. He punched out seven times in 12 at bats. Now he's punched out one in seven. So it already kind of feels like a win.
2: Yeah, I mean it, that in itself is is pretty amazing. I don't think he's really swung and missed to anything in the zone, which is pretty impressive. You know, the, the one thing, and this is the the thing that's going to still carry over, um, and this is why you can't really have any major takeaways here is you know, Jones is putting the ball on the ground too much. The swing just wasn't efficient enough, and um, that really restricted the power last year. I, I think when you look right now, it, it's too small of a sample to say, hey, he's he's better now at at elevating. He's not putting the ball on the ground as much, and in fact, his I think. Three quarters of the balls that he's or two thirds of the balls that he's put in play in spring training so far have been on the ground. So that's the one thing that I think you really got to watch. And, you know, you're not just not going to get that in spring training.
3: When do you start moving him away from center field? Are we at the point with Spencer Jones where you want to see him in other areas? Because, you know, like at the lower levels of the minor leagues, maybe even through double A. You want to see a guy where their value is at its peak. And Spencer Jones, if he's playing center field, that's peak value for him, clearly. But you look at the Yankees like, I feel like it's the upper minors. Maybe if you're succeeding in double A and you get your first taste to triple A, where we start to think, okay, how do you fill in to the big league plans for the foreseeable future? Juan Soto's in the last year of his contract. We have no idea what they're going to do there. Alex Verdugo, final year of control. He'll hit the open market. Yankees are not bringing Verdugo back. I'll tell you that right now. Judge can play a really good center. Jason Dominguez is obviously a good center fielder. Do you start to give Spencer Jones run in left and right? He's only played center field so far in big league spring training.
2: Yeah, which is interesting. Um I think they probably feel even though it's a different read, I think they feel like oh, if Jones can play center, you know, right field at Yankee Stadium is, you know, pretty pretty simple, I think. Stanton could do it. Yeah, well. Um, maybe he could now. Slimmer Stanton, <clears throat> Slimmer Stanton might be able to. But, um, yeah. no, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that you'll probably see him like every every once a week, every maybe twice a week. He'll start to get some reps in right just to get that read you know, off the yeah. back because it's different. I think he could be a, a, an average defender in center field just because of how much ground he can cover with those strides. And his reads actually seem to be pretty good. I, I honestly think he's pretty comfortable out there. But, you know, it, it, that, that said, like they've got other options. And I think Dominguez would end up. Probably projecting best out there long term. So if you have Jones and Wright, though, I mean he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a heck of a defender out there. Like I I think. Well, you would have to have. You'd have to have Judge and Wright. Yeah, because you're paying him like a right fielder. So Jones and left. I wonder if they start eventually just like rotating Judge through the DH role more, which they probably should to preserve his health, anyways. But But he's such a good defender. I know he's awesome, but you're paying him. I know a lot, but you're also paying him to hit sixty bombs. So (laughs) right. Yeah, that that's where it's it's interesting for me. But no, it's it's a great point. And I think we will start to see him get more reps in the corner, and and I think he'll play great out there.
3: Gotcha. Another guy kind of learning the corner outfield right now is Jackson Merrill with the San Diego Padres, and he made a a, a flopping catch yeah. in the first game on national TV on ESPN. I'm not going to call it a diving play um, because he was there. He just kind of fell down, uh, but he made it look cool. He's really holding his own offensively. And he looks comfortable enough in left overreaction again, because it's only been what, like five, six games for for Merrill, maybe even four. having said that this guy's probably their best option in mm-hmm. left field. Do you think he's the opening day left fielder?
2: Well, we said it before. So that's the one thing we can we can say. This is a little bit of just the 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 minimal reinforcement that we'll just we'll take and we'll put it in our back pocket which is like we right. we felt like he probably is the best option in left field and then I think we're seeing that now where it's hey he's probably not going to be playing at the Jackson Merrill that we'll come to know in, in three four years but which I think is going to be a player that is hitting for more power and we we're talking about that you know that Yelich trajectory not comparing him to Yelich but he seems like the kind of player that can have that hey I'm big league ready right now but, and I'll contribute, but I'm nowhere near what my ceiling's gonna be. Like, don't get it twisted, but I'm still gonna be pretty good right now. Like, that's what I feel like Merrill can be right out of the gate because the bat to ball is so good. You mentioned how adaptable he is. He's an athlete. Um, you know, he, the approach has gotten better. He can run a little bit. There is still enough power there. So, that's where I feel like, it, it. Is Merrill gonna be 100% ready? No, but I think you put him out there. He's sitting at the bottom of your order. The bat to ball and approach are good enough to, to hit for some average. He's gonna run into enough extra base hits. He's gonna probably end up playing comfortable defense out there. Like I, I think Merrill has to be their best option right now. And we're seeing little snippets of that already. Yeah, you got a platinum
3: glover and right in Tatis. So you're not gonna worry about right. You're gonna worry about center and you're gonna worry about left. Azokar seems like the guy in center. Azokar and Marcy are your two options in center field right now. Your left field options are Jerickson, Profar, on the wrong side of 30. And that guy was a defensive liability and yep. granted a spacious outfield in Coors, but still a liability in Colorado last year. And Cal Mitchell, who's a bad defender, and there's a reason he was a minor league free agent. Like that guy, one of those two guys, I don't think is the best version of the San Diego Padres. The best no. version of the San Diego Padres is a top 10 prospect in baseball learning a new position. And if you're a top 10 prospect in baseball, we
2: think you can learn a new position pretty easily. Especially a guy like Jackson Merrill, who's you know, another yeah. one of those guys that you could see in camp and then fast track to triple A because, you know, he's going to fit in there uh, immediately. Like he's just another classic example of that. And we've that's he hasn't played triple yet, but he's a guy that they have, you know, very aggressively, you know, pushed and put into a lot of situations, you know, where like this, he's getting a lot of run in spring training. But uh, I think he'd be a good defender out there pretty quickly. Uh, and when you look at what he can bring to the bottom of the order with the speed, contact and then the, the, the burgeoning power, like I do think that he's I mean, he started to hit the ball really hard at the end of last year. And I think that's something that'll continue to shine through. I mean, that inside out swing off Javier Assad, just line shot the other way. It's a, it's a quick it's a quick, quick stroke that I just think is going to play. And then he's only going to get better and better. So I think he's the type of guy where you're actually starting the clock and it, and it, and it helps you where he's going to become yeah. that star or that that borderline all star quicker. Because I do think this is a type of guy that you're not rushing him's not going to hurt him. I, I think he's yeah. one of those unique exceptions. So he's not C.J. Abrams, is what you're saying? No, he's a little different, and and, and honestly, like, yeah, I, I think it's different because with Abrams, he could have been rushed, technically speaking. Just like it, Abrams would have already debuted like 60 games ago for Jackson Merrill, maybe more than that. Like, I thought Abrams was actually the type of guy that could be fast tracked. They just ridiculously fast tracked him. Yeah, he's stupid. Like, like stupid uh, in a way that like we rarely see for a high school infielder.
3: All right. There are a couple more guys, same team in the NL East that I want to talk about. Also, a couple more hitters that are coming off of injury and then we'll go rapid fire through pitchers. But before that, you're headed out to Arizona this weekend for a cool event, huh?
2: Yeah, man. So this weekend I'll be heading to Phoenix for an eBay live event called Spring Signings, which includes eBay and Onyx. And we're going to have some awesome interviews coming out from the event from some of the fastest rising stars and prospects we talk about on this show all the time like Jackson Chorio, Matt Shaw, Dalton Rushing, Drew Thorpe and plenty more prospects. A lot of the sound from those interviews by the way will be on the call up as well, but you're going to want to tune in live because even if you can't make it out there in person to Arizona where you can go check it out, you can join in virtually on eBay Live this coming Saturday and Sunday starting at 4:30 p.m. Mountain Time for unique stories, deals and can't miss exclusive like one-of-one limited edition cards created specifically for this signing event so lucky buyers who go on there and buy the exclusive one-of-one card will also get a custom inscription from the player making it truly a one-of-one card additionally a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the organization of autism research which provides research to better the quality of life for people with autism to us There's nothing better than coupling a fun-filled event with a great cause. We're really excited to be involved with spring signings with eBay and Onyx. So mark your calendars for 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time this weekend. You're not going to want to miss out on this one-of-a-kind event. The access to the future of MLB, their stars, and exclusive cards is going to be unparalleled this weekend. Looking forward to delivering some of that content to you. Keep an eye out on our socials. We'll be sharing plenty as it's going on out there as well.
4: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
3: All right, a couple more hitters that I, I want to hit on with you. Same team, James Wood, Dylan Cruz. Wood has been more impressive than Cruz. Having said that, Cruz has put some really good swings on balls. And I I hate the spring training angles because they're not regular season camera angles. But I love the the spring training camera angles because you see the ball take off, especially like a line drive up the middle in a different way. And Cruz has had a couple of those balls where like he stung a liner up the middle. I'm like, wow, that's like watch your face if you're on the pitcher's mound right now. Let's start with Cruz, because I think that's a quicker conversation than Wood. What have you seen from Dylan Cruz so far?
2: I, I think this is just one of those examples where it's just flashes of, you know, what we know he is capable of being. I mean, I know people were a little disappointed. We've talked about the fatigue probably being a factor of, you know, why he struggled, you know, relatively speaking, in his pro debut. But I think we're just seeing examples of of what can be and, and why he was such a highly regarded player and still is a very highly regarded player. Um, he's already had a handful of balls you know, over 100 miles an hour. I think a couple already over 105. Just a super quick bat. And we're seeing him comfortable in center field. I think it's just a reminder of exactly what, you know, we know he can be. I love it. And then James Wood, Obviously, the homers jump out. He had
3: two homers, I think, in his first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's long. He's huge. He's athletic. The thing that jumps out to me is, like, he looks maybe smoother than he ever has. And he's always been smooth. It's, he looks like he's a normally proportioned human being that just happens to be mm-hmm. enlarged. We talk about that with, like, mm-hmm. Embiid, right, on on the floor in the NBA. It's, oh, he's not just tall and lanky. He's huge. Yeah, yeah that's Wood right now. It feels like he's so in control for a guy that's 6'7".
2: Yeah, you can see him really motor too, and it's it's cool to see how, how, how fast he can move uh, for such a big dude. But uh, I think the one thing that I've noticed with him is, like, the changeups just destroyed him last year. That was a big issue for him, and it seemed like he was often getting caught in between. And if you look at the, kind of just the way he would start his moves, where he would get... Um, it, by the time he got to his slot, it, it seemed like he was just very rushed. He, it just seemed like sometimes the load was a little bit late, and he was just again just felt really rushed. So now it just seems like things are slower to him, where it's it's a, the load starting earlier, it's it's smoother and slower building, and he just seems to be more on time. And that's a small sample, but I saw him working on that in the backfields uh, when I went and, and caught a couple of days in, in West Palm there. Um, What a hitting group, by the way, where you got James Wood, Brady House, Dylan Cruz, Robert Hassel. The third who also has run into some balls that he's hitting pretty hard and and looks like he has. I saw him working on, excuse me, working on some things there as well, where they're talking about, you know, kind of keeping the weight back and his path and things like that. So it's cool to be able to watch the BP and then see how these guys are able to try to translate that in games because it's a process. And it seemed like with Wood. It, he has just been super comfortable, uh, and, and it seems like he's just seeing the ball and timed up a little bit better. Small sample, but um, that's one of those things that you can just see a little bit translating. This feels to this has to feel like this feels like it has.
3: This has to feel like being reborn for Robert Hassel right now. Like this has to be such a massive weight off of his shoulders to hit the ground running in spring training, considering last year was worse than he could have imagined.
2: Yeah. No, and that's just another one of those examples where it's like, of course, like we're gonna need to see Robert Hassel, you know, bounce back in in, you know, a larger setting and uh, you know, over the course of of multiple months before we say, Okay, Hassel, you know, looks like himself again or, you know, looks like that guy that we thought he could be a potential, you know, top fifty prospect in baseball prior to the trade. But um what you do see now though is just like you mentioned, something that I think can be a really good momentum builder for him a little bit of confirmation that, Hey, these adjustments that I'm making are going to work and it's going to help me this year. So I'm really interested. It's just made me a little bit more excited to see how he can bounce back this year. Um, But I will say it does look like a cleaner operation already um, just with the moves that he's, he has made in terms of just trying to like minimize that, that, forward drift that he had that, I mean, he was a guy that definitely, you know, what would, would leak forward. uh, And I think that would impact him a lot. So um, I'm excited to see what it looks like this year. Lumping these last two
3: hitters together because they're both coming back from serious injuries. Andy of the Dodgers, Brennan Davis of the Cubs. Yeah. Let's start with Pajes. They trade Manny Margot to Minnesota. It took like two spring training games for that to happen. Does that clear the way for Pajes to be the fourth outfielder? I think it does. And share the platoon with Hayward who really never saw
2: left-handed pitching last year. I think it's possible. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else, especially, you know, now that they traded DeLuca as well, like that was DeLuca's role right there. I, I think it's a perfect situation as well because he does mash lefties. I think that's something that like has always been when we talk about the future roles, like, You felt confident that at the very least, Pajes was going to be a lefty masher. And and I still feel like I feel like he's going to be better than that. But you look at the role that he could fit in here, it would be really fun. But you bring up a great question because last full season he played was 2022, though, in in a small sample in 23 demolished left handed pitching. But in 2022, OPS of a thousand and forty four. A 291, 387, 657 slash line against left-handed pitching. And then it was almost the same in a small sample in 23. So like, that's a role I think he could actually succeed in immediately. Uh, he, he's always been, you know, I think someone that's going to keep the strikeouts more in check than you think. And and he's improved in that, you know, pretty much every time we check in. Uh, as long as he looks healthy, I think he's ready to go. And I mean, with the two bombs that he's hit or two balls that he's really crushed so far this year, or this spring, he looks like he's loose and healthy and that shoulder feels good. So uh, the the Dodgers
3: are so weird to me because their bench is so old and so like not fun with how exciting their lineup is. Like Austin Barnes, they're I get it. Great clubhouse guy. All these guys are insanely good clubhouse guys, which is why they're on the team. But like Austin Barnes, you're telling me you can't find a better backup catcher than Austin Barnes. Miguel Rojas is the backup shortstop. You can find a better backup shortstop than Miguel Rojas. And then you've got the utility guys, Chris Taylor, who you paid a lot of money. I get it. Really good bench bat, obviously. But for the price point, it doesn't really make sense. Unfortunately, that contract's aging poorly. And then they just bring back Kike Hernandez, which is an elite vibe selection. Yeah, But you don't want any of those four guys taking a bees away from Andy Pajes. So it feels like Taylor could be the utility guy. Kike could almost be the backup shortstop, right? Or Mookie moves over to short and Kike plays second. And then you got Pajes and Hayward. It's like, hey, right field is yours. Go do that.
2: But what you walked us through is, I think, the reason why he he's probably starting in AAA, right? Even though it seems like he's probably ready. Uh, With Miguel Vargas, which like, kills me. I can't, I can't watch Miguel Vargas play in AAA anymore. That, that's another one of those guys that's going to drive me nuts. And it's always going to be a Dodgers guy, but... I don't always. need to see Miguel Vargas in A anymore. I want to see that guy get consistent big league ABs because I still believe in that bad. I really do.
3: Yeah. Uh, how happy is your heart knowing that Brennan Davis looks good again?
2: It's been really nice to see. I, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it has been because, I mean, that's a guy that we've been talking about for years, man. Like that's like, that's a guy that I've been very pumped about for a long time and you know dating all the way back to 21. Um, and then, you know, being able to see him hit those two home runs in the Futures game, like I mean, he was a guy that had as much helium as anybody, you know, and and in the Cubs system, he was their top guy for a little bit. Like, it, it's crazy how quick things can change. And yeah, but the thing is, is, I mean, you, you mess your shoulder up and you get back surgery. I, I that was I mean, back surgery for a six, four. Athletic outfielder like that's scary stuff. And then we see him last year and he looked like a guy that had back surgery. Like he looked like he was moving a little guarded. The swings, even you know, just look guarded. And I know he's always been a short finish guy, but it just didn't have the same quickness and explosiveness. Um, and, and can you blame him? He had back surgery, so like I, I think that's the thing that really has stood out to me this spring. Small sample doesn't matter. He looks free and loose, uh, and and he looks like he's it uh, he looks like himself again. Like in terms of just trusting that the bat speed is there. Like I saw Brennan Davis. Last year, whose body was kind of failing him at points where you would see him swing and miss and he was like surprised. He's like, What do you mean I didn't get to that? Um, and now I think you're seeing more confidence and quickness. Uh, and I think that's why we're seeing him, you know, swing more confidently in the box.
3: Yeah, I mean, it took Christian Yelich a year and a half to get right. And we we've compared the back issues, the nagging back injury. To Christian Yelich and, and that's another guy who uses his entire body through the course of all of his movements and it, it is fun and seeing the bounce back that we saw from Yelich last year honestly made me more excited when we got that glimpse of yep. Brennan Davis early this yep. spring which was awesome um, moving to the pitchers now I think there are a lot of guys that that jump out. I'm going to save Joe Boyle for last because it's hilarious that like we're talking about a guy that couldn't find a strike zone. And then he looks like, I don't know, Seaver meets (laughs) Steve Carlton. It's crazy. But a couple of guys that jumped to my mind were Wilmer Flores, of the Tigers, Mick Abel of the Phillies, Jared Jones of the Pirates. And then you wanted to add Drew Thorpe of the Padres too. let's start with Thorpe because you already mentioned him that change up made yeah. some people look like morons
2: yeah dude I mean that it's just a reminder like and then just seeing him do it on that stage um and I think when you get a really clean camera angle as well that that's that's the borderline 80 it's got to be close to an 80 grade change up there like, it, yeah it is just crazy and it's it's wild because it doesn't have like the Devin Williams screwball action but it just gets these ridiculously bad swings because it looks so much like his fastball. Like that's a pitch that alone is going to carve out a, a nice career for him. But seeing the other pitches you know, continue to to get better, it was just really cool to see that change up against big league hitters um, just make them look incredibly un- uncomfortable. Amazing.
3: It was only an inning. Jared Jones of the Pirates has two outings under his belt right now. I think he's topped 99 in both of them. And he's been spinning his fastball so well. Slider looks really good too. Slider's heart is all get out. And, you know, like each tweet that I read about Jared Jones's outing, people are like, kid looks legit. We've known that for a while. Mm-hmm. They're just seeing it now and they can watch it on TV. And that's kind of fun for everybody else to get a glimpse into the Jared Jones experience. Like we've
2: gotten. And that's why if you televised, you know, games every once in a while, off yeah. day on Valley Sports or you know, off day for the for the uh, big league team, just throw a minor league game on there. You'd be surprised. Like I think people yeah. want to tune in and see some of their best players uh, that in the future of their organization. Like I think we're seeing it in spring training. There's so much excitement around it, uh, you know, and, and around some of these prospects. But yeah, Jones, dude. I mean, it's just a reminder of, of this is just like. We we knew he could do this, and it's a continuation. Like, yeah, it looks yeah. like a continuation. The VLO is right where I'd expect it to be from him in short spurts, and um, and the sliders, what it has been. Uh, I'm I'm excited to just see him. Hopefully, carve out a big league role really soon. I think he's just about ready. There's a
3: roster worry because Rowanzi Contreras and Bailey Falter of, are out of options. I, I get it with Rowanzi because you've seen glimpses of what that guy could be. Yeah, you don't want to just Fal- let him go. No, but like Falter was acquired for Rodolfo Castro last deadline and Castro was a DFA candidate like Bailey Falter. If if that guy's situation with his options is stopping you from giving Jared Jones a spot in the opening day starting rotation, we got to look at ourselves in the mirror, man, like DFA him, get him in the rotation.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I mean, if you really want to put your best foot forward, I, I think Jones gives you a better chance. 100% Um, Wilmer Flores
3: the Tigers was like sitting 98-99 in his outing and that's something that wasn't there last year I think it might have been there at the end of 2022
2: or has it never been there before I mean so not really honestly yeah like it's this is this is a different Wilmer Flores velocity wise I mean um, I'm looking at it right now even going back to you know so the Arizona Fall League where he's going mostly three four inning spurts He's 92, 93. Uh, I think it peaks in the seasons. He averaged 94, 95, but like, that was maybe a couple starts. And those were short spurts, two-inning starts. So, yeah, it wasn't the the prettiest outing statistically, but um, you don't – and that's the other thing. I know people are like, oh, VLO bump, this or that. You know, if, if a guy's up two, three miles per hour, like, eh, it might just be the short spurts. If a guy's up six from the last time we saw him or, or five – He worked hard on
3: Christmas Day.
2: Yeah, like he he's he's got something going here. Like they're they're he's throwing harder. That's for sure. Like that's not that's not a a short a short burst like bump.
3: So they've already told. Apparently, I saw. I think it was Cody Stavenhagen that reported it. AJ Hinch had already told Jackson Job and Ty Madden that they wouldn't be on the opening day roster. Like they're not competing for roster spots is Wilmer Flores in a different grouping or is that a guy that you think is headed to Toledo and and he's good
2: for a month he can come up I think Flores could make the team because I think he's a they might start looking at him more like a reliever um or hmm. or like a swingman type so I think if that's where it depends on what their plan is to, I I I that's something I would love to be able to talk to somebody with you know, Scott Harris and just say like where where, where do you right. see him fitting in because with Madden like that guy has to be a starter and then Joe you know You think he'd be a frontline star? He's joked, yeah. So, but with Flores, like the the breaking ball is phenomenal, and now we're seeing this velo tick up in short spurts. Like it might make sense to have him in the bullpen right now. This is a team that's trying to win. You know, they've made Mm -hmm. it clear that they're interested in competing this year in an open division. Like I think we could see Flores just fast track to the bullpen. And I I got that vibe when I was watching him pitch in in Arizona. It just seemed like a good reliever. Uh, It didn't seem like a guy that was conducive to turning lineups over. But he's yeah. capable of it because the fastball and breaking ball can get get like rolling together.
3: Yeah, Casey Mize topped at ninety eight. Do you see that? I did
2: see that. That honestly is great to see. It's great for <laughs> yeah, your It's awesome as well. to see. It's, it's, it's just great for back, my agenda. Back from yeah. the dead, like just popping out of the casket. Essentially, your agenda's back. It's like, oh shit, we're good
3: to go. Hey, pro wrestling. I'm not a pro wrestling guy at all, but I've seen it. Like yeah. right side, the guy comes out of the casket. I don't know who that is. I think it's the Undertaker. That's how I felt.
2: I think it might the be. Maybe only
3: one I know is John Cena. Um, Two more guys before Boyle. I had Mick Abel with the Phillies. You were really impressed by Mick Abel. You tweeted something out about Mick Abel.
2: Yeah, it was just cool to see him around the zone. And again, it's a small sample of that, but it was cool to also see from a better angle and and him consistently being around the zone, how his stuff can really work off itself. And again, this was a short spurt. It was only like one inning, but um, seeing the, the fastball, Like, he's got the ride and run, so it's running in on guys, and then just snapping a hard slider off of that. Like, there's two pitches side by side where you can just really see the the tunnel where it's just running in on their hands and then really being able to match that and have it slide in the other way. Like, it was cool to see Abel repeat that slot and and utilize his stuff a little bit better. The problem with him is he sprayed so much at points last year that there wasn't much, like, Benefit to the to the tunneling effect that he's able to generate with the angles that he can create and the extension that he gets and um, just how hard he throws and his arm speed. So uh, it, it was cool to see him at least looking like he's more comfortably doing that. Um, and just it was a better angle at you know how good the stuff can be. And he made some really good hitters, you know, look pretty uncomfortable.
3: All right. Last one. The Oakland A's ace for the foreseeable future. You're going to give him a 15 year deal now. Longest deal ever given to a pitcher. Two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, three punch outs, 16 pitches, 14 for strikes yeah. in two innings. And he punched out three for Joe Boyle of the Oakland A's. He was sitting 99 to 101. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. I Just seeing a Joe Boyle that's around the zone was was bizarre um and it's a small it's a small sample but yes this was something that i think there was some buzz i think in camp that hey uh, joe's been working hard on the on on the delivery smoothing things out and he's throwing more strikes so that's the thing is it wasn't out of total like it's not just oh here's one short spurt of him throwing strikes this is coming after some buzz of hey joe boyle's throwing more strikes now and then boom first outing he's throwing more strikes. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because there's a lot of things that still need to improve in in terms of also just the, the arsenal as a whole, like yes, the fastball command being good would be great, but a couple banger breaking balls as his two secondaries, I don't see a world where he's going to be able to consistently locate those. So there's a lot of questions, but this does unlock, I think a little bit more of, Hey, this guy is capable of going multiple innings. Um, maybe he can be a five and dive guy, or maybe the command gets just good enough. And the fastball is dominant enough to, to be a starter, but it's going to be interesting to see how they plan to use him and in, in the development this year, especially with Mason Miller kind of making that mm-hmm. full move to the bullpen. Maybe that gives them a little bit more patience with Boyle to, to try to make him a starter.
3: It's interesting, man. Um, Luis Medina got through two innings and 16 pitches, 16 pitches, 12 for strikes. He punched out three, no hits like, Boyle and Medina, they were the ones that were branded the video game creative player that were cast offs by the Reds and, and the Yankees, respectively. And it'd be pretty cool if they shared a rotation and you had Mason Miller finishing off games for them.
2: That'd be fun. I think they're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to watchable uh, in, in Oakland. <laughs> so, uh, but I, we'll see. I mean, I hope they can be more aggressive with a bunch of their guys and, and just go young. And And I think that's the best way to go about it. As they try to build something you know, competitive over there, but Boyle would be a huge addition for them considering it was for a reliever swap of of Sam Mole. So um, right. we're going to talk about the Yamamoto outing tomorrow, like next week. That's something that we'll dive deeper into. I'll also yeah. key into it a little bit extra on this weekend's bonus episode of the call up, which the link to subscribe to which is uh, in the episode description would really appreciate that. Hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of that, but I'll dive deeper into the MMO start. We'll still do that for like, don't worry. We're going to get into it plenty next week, but for those who are a little bit eager and want, you know, just a pitch by pitch breakdown, I'm going to get a lot more in depth on it um, because I got more, more time on the bonus episodes to just be tedious. So uh, it's perfect. Also note that
3: tomorrow is March 1st, so you'd be truly getting bang for your buck if you subscribe to the bonus episodes at any point next week or, you know, even tomorrow.
2: I'm really excited to continue to get it rolling and 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 just be able to answer all of your questions. I get your emails when you sign up, so I'll be shooting everybody an email um, of kind of a rundown of what I'm planning to talk about before the episode goes out uh, and then fielding questions. So if you can look out in your email, you know, right around, I would say, Friday evening. Uh, it would be awesome uh, to get your questions back and make sure I answer them on on the episodes because, you know, in, in addition to the extra mailbag, we'll probably just try to answer a few questions here and there. Also joined a fantasy league. So I'm going to try to go back the curtain like a dynasty league took over a team. So try to tell people what I'm doing, uh, how I'm trying to rebuild this team and you know, some of the things that I'm approaching it with and some of the ways I'm approaching it. So a little bit more dynasty in addition to the cards on there, too. So pumped to really be able to do that with you guys all year. But as always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you next week.